My name is Alan Ostrisky. Uh, thank you for being here today. Great to see you here at Lindsay Lane East. I tell people, my name and where I'm from has made me the person that I am today. Because you don't say your name is Alan Ostrisky and you live in Lickskillet, Alabama without having some type of conversation with somebody. Nobody just goes, oh, okay. You're the who from the where? Right? So it has made me the person I am, right? So, so it is an interesting name. Hey, how about this? How about there was somebody willing to marry into that name? Uh, so, you know, good luck with that one. I still don't know that my mother-in-law can actually, uh, actually spell it. So anyway, we are excited uh, to be here. Uh, I think it's so great uh, that we have rotated pastors. Heath is at uh, Maine, or at Athens, and Andy John is, is up in Elkmont North, and, and then I'm here. I think it's, it's awesome to see. Now, I don't know what was Andy John's problem, uh, because I've been at Maine for a long time, and I've never preached here, all right? So I don't know if he's just insecure or what, <clears throat> but I appreciate Heath for giving me the opportunity to fill his pulpit. Uh, I, am, uh, I am looking forward to what God uh, teaches us through this. But I think it's important because all three campuses, I was, I was telling Trey at the beginning of the first service, last uh, service, it's amazing how different a demographic all three of our campuses are. Uh, they, they're, they're completely different, made up of different folks, different styles of, of life, different uh, ways of living, uh, different backgrounds, but it's amazing to see how we can come together for the cause of Christ and for the good of man to reach the world with the gospel of Christ. And so that's what we want to do. And so that's why I'm here today uh, letting you know a little bit of what's going on north. I've been the pastor at north for a little over a year and a half now, uh, which is not very long, but it also gives me higher tenure, more tenure than any of the other two pastors at the churches that they're at. So uh, there's that. That tells you a little bit about the exciting times that it is being a part of Lindsay Lane uh, as a church, um, but man, God's doing some awesome things uh, in Elkmont. Be praying for us. Uh, we, I know y'all know a little bit about this. Uh, we are landlocked, uh, and so we are growing even through pandemic, uh, but pray that God will open up the door, make clear to this pastor, and make clear to our folks the direction that God is leading us as we look for what's next uh, for Lindsay Lane North. So you can be praying with us through that. But we are tracking... In the short term, we are tracking the same thing through this I Promise series. As we watch God pursuing man, despite their unloveliness, despite their sin, God pursuing man, not because man is good in and of himself, right? God's love letter to us is not so that, does not say anything about us, because we are the opposite of lovely. But it says a ton about the glory of God that would pursue us in the state that we're in. Uh, and so we track that. We've tracked it through Noah. We've tracked it through Abraham. We've tracked it through last week, Moses. And we have been given a, an incredible opportunity today to look at the Davidic covenant, the preview of the promise. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're going to teach us. Because it's your word. And your word is unique from all other works of literature in that though it will inform us, your word has the ability to transform us. And so, Lord, we pray that that would happen in our hearts and in our lives as we look at ourselves in light of the mirror that is your word. Teach us today. In your name we pray. Amen. 
think there's two types of people in the world. Only two. Now, I recognize we don't go to movies a lot right now, and that's kind of a touchy subject, or maybe you do, and maybe you're a, you know, you lick doorknobs wherever you go. Maybe you don't care about this at all, right? But uh, one of them Greg Wise type people, right? But uh, maybe when you go to movies, there's two types of people. There's those people that get there early, mostly because they're responsible, but also because they want to see the previews. They want to see the previews, and they want to see what's next. If you're watching a superhero movie, they want to see next what Marvel character is, being, is rolling out next. Now, if you're emotionally unstable, DC Comics may be your thing, and that, you know, that's, that's fine. What DC comic, what moody, hormonal DC comic character they're going to roll out next? But we, we want to see the preview. These types of people are, are desperate to see what is rolled out next. Those people annoy me. Because I am not that type of person. Mostly because I've never been on time of day in my life. But also because I could care less about the previous. Not why I show up to the movies. I show up to the movie to see the movie I'm watching. And when the Lord orchestrates for me to see what movie is out next, we will. In fact, we loved the Carmike Theater for a long time because it was the dollar movie. And we would see something come out, and we're like, man, that's awesome. In two years, when it comes out of the car, Mike, that's going to be great to go see. Because everybody knows about the previews that they never quite meet the billing, right? The standard is when they, when they organize the, the trailer and all the best parts of the movies are slammed into one 30-second bit, there's no way that the movie can live up to the preview. And so why even, why even mess with it? And then, so we'll go to the dollar movie because we would, we would go, and of course now they're like $5. I don't even know if Carmike is still a thing, but they were like $5 now, so what's the point there? But I remember we would go on date nights to the movie because I'm a big spender like that, and we would, uh, we would watch the movie, and if it was great, we'd be like, man, that was awesome. If it wasn't, we'd be like, meh, it's just $2, right? And that's just how I am. The preview very seldom lives up to the real thing. Or, or excuse me, the real thing very seldom lives up to the preview. But that is not what we see in the Davidic covenant. The God's covenant with David is a preview of coming attractions that will absolutely blow the promises and the blessings that we see in the Davidic covenant out of the water. So we left with Moses. And if we're not careful, we'll think that for all the rattling on that God and Moses does with all the laws, I mean, literally from Exodus to Numbers chapter 10, they are at Sinai and God is laying out law for them, Levitical law and all the other things that they have to do. And if we aren't careful, we'll look at the Mosaic law and we'll say, well, this is a covenant that's all about God's list of do's and don'ts. If we're not careful we'll rope it into one big category of religion. This is what we should do, and this is what we should not do. But I want to remind you of Exodus 19, verse 5. If you obey, God says, if you will obey my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. That's the translation that Heath reads. You will be my own possession. You will be my people valued among every people group in the world. 
what he was literally saying is in order for the Hebrews to call Yahweh my God, they would have to look different from the rest of the world. You see, man is the only creation of God that is just prideful enough to not understand the grandeur of the implications of the infinite God of this universe giving himself to a creation. We miss that because we're of our pride. But God has given access. But because of the access they have to God, they must look differently. God was basically saying, if you want, relig- if you want relationship, you're going to have to be religious. This is the best way I can describe it. Left to my own devices, I would probably never willfully go and see a chick flick. Probably never do it. I prefer, as my mother has coined from long days long gone by, I prefer the bang bang stabby stabbies. Uh, I'm the action guy. I want to see The action movies. And if left to my own, I'm going to see every action movie over any chick flick every day of the week. But y'all, at least in these last 10 years, I've seen quite a few chick flicks. Probably, honestly, more than action movies, he said. That's probably true. Left to my own devices... I would probably never come home from a day of work and find somebody that I can share all of my feelings with. I'd probably never do it. I'd probably never come in and just unload all of the emotional baggage that I carried for that day. My wife would argue I still don't, by the way. But I do, to a greater extent at least, than I would normally do because I'm in a relationship. You see, you can have religion without relationship. That's legalism. Doing all these things outside the context of relationship. But you can't have relationship without a certain level of religion. It changes what we do. Left to my own devices, I would never eat McDonald's. Never eat McDonald's. I don't like it. Unless you get the fries piping hot right out of the grease. Those I can live with. But y'all, I ate McDonald's yesterday. Why? Because I have another relationship in my life to my kids, and they love McDonald's. Left to my own devices, I would probably never change a dirty diaper. But y'all, I've changed some. I try to avoid it when I can. But I have changed dirty diapers. Praise God, we're through with that stage of life. Our daughter is potty trained, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it affects how I live. When we understand the Mosaic Law outside of the relationship that God is offering, we miss the point of I promise. We miss the point of God pursuing him in them in love. The purpose of the Mosaic Law was to have access to God by means of changing their behavior. Because Israel was God's possession, he gave them his presence. Alan, prove it. He gave them the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember in Exodus 40, after they had completed the tabernacle, after they had completed the Ark of the Covenant that was created as a representative of God, the glory of God filled the tabernacle, filled and rested, the Shekinah glory of God rested 
between the cherubims on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. You can go back and look at it in Exodus chapter 40. That it feels, God's presence feels the tabernacle. Feels His people. And so He has a resting place there. And this tabernacle provides us with context that we need. And if Heath has taught us anything, it's that we need to understand Scripture in context, correct? So from the Mosaic Law, we're given the parameters for the tabernacle and for the Ark of the Covenant. And it would be the Ark of the Covenant that would go before Israel in everything that they did in their history leading up to the Davidic Covenant. It would go before them through the wilderness. It would go before them over the Jordan River. It would go before them as they were entering the land of conquest, as they were overcoming people group after people group after people group. Remember Jericho? They couldn't just walk around the thing, but the guys had to carry the Ark of the Covenant around Jericho seven times. right? And so, and so it went with them everywhere they went. It made it through the period of the judges. It rested in a place called Shiloh that was in Israel. All of these things, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was with the people of God. It was representative of the presence of God with His people. And it was God's physical Shekinah glory presence with God. It made it through the reign of King Saul. And where we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 7 is now with King David. 2 Samuel chapter 6, the Ark of the Covenant is brought into Jerusalem. Remember the story of, of David dancing in his underwear? This is that story. He's so excited, he literally dances his clothes off with the presence of God coming to rest in Zion, coming to rest in the city of Jerusalem. And in this, we have the context of the Davidic covenant. Number one, let's look at the promise of a king. This is what it says in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. I know where you're headed with this, David. Go and do it. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. Where did he live? The tent, the tabernacle. I have not lived in a dwelling. I have not lived in a house since the day I brought you the people out of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all the places where I've moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? He's saying, I never asked for this. David had this idea, because I live in a house, the tent that houses the presence of God can be moved. The tabernacle was designed to be moved from place to place. What David desired to do was David desired to use his power. Who was David? David was a king. He was the king of Israel. 
And David desired, one of his first acts was to move the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and then he desired to build a house for God. What was his design? What was he trying to do? As king, David desired to use his power to ensure that God would remain permanently in Israel. We don't need God's presence going somewhere else. So we don't need it in a tabernacle. We need it in a house. We need it in a place that is set. This is where God lives. The Old Testament is the story of the movement of God's people around His presence. Where the Ark of the Covenant went, God's people went. When God moved the people Moved. The story of the Old Testament is the movement of God around His presence. And so David decided that we need a permanent location for God so that the people can move around, we can set roots, and we can be here with the presence of God with us. Let's see the promise of the king secondly. The promise of not a king in King David using his political power to bring about the change of a permanent location for God. But let's look at the promise of the king. Let's look at the promise of God. This is in verse 8. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all of your enemies from before you. He said, I remember you back when. Back when even your father discredited you by not even bringing you in the parade of sons to Samuel. I remember you from back then. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies. And I will appoint, verse 10, and I will appoint, or excuse me, uh, move up there, and I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. I will take you from the pasture, I have put you on the throne, and now I will give you a great name. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house for my name. Make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. And you shall come, it shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. This is the Davidic covenant. In light of David's desire to build God a permanent location so that God could rest with his people. That God could live and his presence could be enjoyed by his people in one location. God tells David, David, because you desire to build me a house, I will build you a house. The word in the Hebrew is bayit. 
I will build you a house. God uses wordplay here. Bayit, just like our words have different meaning, multiple meanings, bayit can mean a structure, can mean an actual building. This is how David intended it. I want to build a building for God. What God God's reply is, David, I want to make your bayit, your house, your royal lineage great. His response was, I will build you a house. I will use your lineage, your power, your majesty, your birthright, and I will make you great. When David heard this promise, he immediately tied it to his physical reign and his physical ancestry. He tied it inextricably to who he was physically. He was the king. And his son after him would inherit all of these promises. They would reign physically on the throne forever. This is how David intended it. And by the way, this is how all of the people believed it as well. That the religious rulers, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, we read about in the New Testament, the, the priests, the Levites, all of these people believed that God's presence that God's promises were solely in the physical realm a royal lineage and a physical legacy again David and the people saw these promises only in context to a physical kingdom and a physical king and so the Davidic promise gives us the Davidic covenant gives us ten promises, ten I wills that God lays out. But we're going to focus on four. We can be condensed down into four. The first that he promises is reputation. Listen to what it says in verse 9. I will make you a great name. I will make you a great name. This was, this was to be his reputation. And y'all, when we look at it in a physical sense, God gave David a great name. So great, in fact, that thousands and thousands of years after removed from his life, we are still talking about David's name. He received a great name. His kingdom was remarkable. It was important not just to Israel, but on the global scene, David had a great name. He had great reputation. But it doesn't end there. He says also that I will grant you rest. Listen, verse 11. I will give you rest from your enemies. Understand from this time, Israel had known nothing but conflict. Think about it. They were enslaved in Egypt. They left slavery, traveled through the wilderness in the desert. They came to the promised land. As soon as they showed up in the promised land, they started having to fight people. And they had been fighting off the Philistines ever since. All of these different people groups, all these Canaanites, all of these ites that we read about last week, all of these people were being fought off. They've never known rest. And so God gives them physical rest. In the time of David and even King Solomon, Israel was largely undisturbed. From this point on, the Philistines were still there, but they had largely been defeated. And so and they were given remarkable rest. But it doesn't end there. Not only were they given reputation, was he promised reputation and rest, but he was promised rain. It says in verse 13, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Physical rain. Did you know that because of this promise, many of the people believed that Solomon was immortal? 
that his son would be immortal because you can't reign on a throne forever if you don't live forever. And so many people taught that Solomon, who had the favor of God, obviously in his life from a young age, that he would reign on the throne of David as the son of David, the bayit of David, the royal lineage of David would extend forever under the name of Solomon. And then finally, and most importantly, we see familiar themes that we've seen in all the other Old Testament covenants. God offers relationship. Don't miss verse 14. I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. We will be connected. You will have access to me. He will have access to me. That I am giving myself to you in relationship. In the context of relationship. And so this was believed to be the way that it was going to be. These things found a near fulfillment in the royal physical reign of the Davidic line. These things did happen, but they happened in a very small sense because they did not last forever. Thus begging the question, when would these things ultimately be fulfilled? David's name was great. As a king, David's name was great until the Babylonians came in and removed the Davidic king from the throne. And his people that he led was led into exile. Israel had rest until they were led into exile. Until the Babylonians showed up and carried them away. They were not only in conflict, but they were defeated. And you read the period of the divided kingdoms, even Israel themselves. The northern kingdom was fighting against Judah, trying to remove the line of David. Israel had a period of rest until they went into exile. And the Davidic line ruled for over 400 years in Judah. Until exile. God, it felt like for the people that they had a relationship with God as His chosen people until they were defeated and they were humiliated on the global scene. And they were casted away. They were dejected in a foreign land. They felt like they had lost everything. But praise God, number three, we see the promise of a coming a coming king. The initial promise of God was believed by many to be fulfilled in the literal son of David, Solomon. This was strengthened by the fact that Solomon did build the temple. He built the temple that would house the presence of God, and God's glory rested there. He, they were, it was a beautiful, ornate structure that Solomon and all of his wisdom and all of his effort and all of his affluence and all of his influence built for God. And so they thought, for sure, this is the Davidic covenant. This is the promises. These are the blessings coming to fruition in the physical world. This idea tracked until when? Solomon died. You can't be a king that reigns forever on a throne if you can't live forever. Solomon died, and what's more... Every death that was experienced in the Davidic line brought more 
and greater heartache and tension to the promises of the Davidic kingdom. Because Solomon's son, Rehoboam, guess what happened to him? He died. Guess what happened to Rehoboam's son? They died. Guess what happened to that son? They died. Every death, with every death, part of the heart of of Israel, of Judah, was being ripped out because they had put all of their stock in a physical reign. Although the Israelites may have seen the Davidic covenant as a physical king reigning in a physical kingdom, God had other things in mind. Their focus was on a political power. Their focus was on someone of influence that they could see, they could feel, and they could touch. But this was just a preview of the true promise that's realized in the New Testament. While the people of God were looking toward a king and a kingly crown, God was looking towards something else. A different type of crown entirely because the people were still in sin. They had a greater problem than physical exile. They were in spiritual exile. They were outside of a relationship with Christ because they could not keep the demands of the law of Moses. And so they found themselves in a place of destitution more than they even realized. And so we're going to do some Bible drill here to see how Christ is the fulfillment of these things. Turn first to Hebrews chapter 9. It'll be on the screen if you can't get there quick enough. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. While they had in mind physical kingdom, God had in mind the whole time the spiritual kingdom, this spiritual existence. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 9, 11 through 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. Remember what David tried to do? Permanent place. We need to upgrade this tabernacle. Then through the greater and more perfect tent. Who is the greater and more perfect tent? Jesus. Not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of bulls, of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing not a physical exile, not a physical return, but an eternal redemption. He is. David wanted to create a place where the people of God could move freely around His presence. The story of the Old Testament is the movement of God around His presence. Movement of God's people around His presence. The story of the New Testament is the movement of God into His people. God has... We don't move around the presence of God. It's why we don't come to church. We are the church. We gather as the church. But this is not... This building is not a church. That's an Old Testament way of thinking. It's not where we come. It's not about the revolving of us around God's presence. That God's presence is here. And we come to experience it. But God has changed us. He has invaded us. And we are different as a result of it. The movement of God. What David wanted to happen, God secured through Jesus. A permanent way for God to be with his people. 
written in our hearts as the new covenant will tell us. But what about the promises of David? What about the reputation of David? Look at Micah 5 verse 2. Micah 5 verse 2. What about this reputation of David? Right? It's in shambles. How is it going to be restored? Listen to Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, when they were splitting the, the properties, uh, when, the, when the, the powers came in and took all the places into exile, Bethlehem was so small. The house of David was so small and so insignificant, it wasn't even listed on the roster of the big towns and cities in the region. But all the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. David's fame and reputation was significant. But his fame comes nowhere near the fame of the famous one. The one who every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will confess that Jesus Christ Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This was the reputation. But what about the rest? Look at Revelation 21. Revelation 21 verse 4. What about this rest that God promised through the Davidic covenant? How was this preview of what was to come? God granted rest for David for a time. But ultimately the son of David would grant rest for the people of God. Not while they're living, but for all eternity. Look at Revelation 21. What a beautiful passage of scripture in verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning. Not crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things are past. Away. Church, we don't know rest until we enter God's rest. God has made a way for us not to be in rest for the situations that we face in this life, because sometimes that stuff is bonkers. He has offered rest beyond this life, rest for all eternity, not through a physical king not through a physical kingdom but what did jesus say my kingdom is not of this world there is rest made available through the sacrifice of christ on the cross through his work for us what about his reign isaiah 9 verse 6 through 7 what about this reign as the prophet was detailing? Isaiah was literally talking about Judah falling into captivity. He was prophetically looking at when Judah would fall. When they would be led astray. By the way, it wasn't a popular message at the time because Judah was at the height of its power at that time. But he was literally saying... All of this is about to be over. You're all about to be led astray. This thing that you have put so much confidence in is going away. The king will be removed. But listen what he says in Isaiah chapter 9. Beginning in verse 6. For to us a child is born. And to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The Davidic covenant necessitated a king that would live forever. Christ who defeated and disarmed death for us, today is living and well and at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And then finally, relationship. What do we do with Israel in shambles? The original promise, this is Isaiah 53. The original promise was to be a father to David and his lineage. I will be a father and they will be a son. But sin ruptured this covenant. Sin ruptured this relationship. It was the problem from the very beginning. The problem from Noah. There's none righteous. And so there's always a break. There's always a divide. There's always a chasm between us and God. The holiness and perfection of God. They didn't need political power. They needed sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 4-5 Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And church... With his wounds, we are healed. This is the provision of the Davidic covenant fulfilled in the person of Jesus. By his bruising, by his ridicule, by his sacrifice, we who knew plenty of sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God in Him. As I said before, the relationship side of it was, I'll be a father to you. I'll be a father, and you'll be my son. Do you know what we see in the New Testament? Romans 8, verse 15. I've committed it to memory, and you should as well. We have not received the spirit of slavery so that we could shrink back into fear. But we have received the spirit of of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He can be your father. He's my father. And he can be your father today. Not through political power. Christ didn't die to span the gap between Genders, male and female. He didn't die to span the gap between races or ethnicities. He didn't die to span the gap of political party, praise God. He died to span the gap for us, for me, for you, from death to life. There is no greater gap to span. And he's made a relationship possible for you today. If Pat would go ahead and make his way up, if you would bow your head and close your eyes as we transition into a time of invitation.
In the same way that the Davidic covenant was only previewed through the king David, the covenant has been realized through Christ. And relationship is possible for you today. Whether you're listening here in person or you're online, God has made Himself, His presence available to you through what Christ has done for you. And so if you're here, don't leave this place without doing business with God. If you're here and you know that you don't have a relationship with Christ, that sin is still separating you from a relationship with Him, would you confess that sin? First John tells us that He is faithful and just. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be made new. You can enter a relationship with Christ today. And so you're the most important person in this room. God offers himself to you, but it's through the person of Jesus Christ. If you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. In just a moment, we'll have an invitation. Kenny's going to be here to receive you. If you need to make any decision for the Lord, maybe, maybe you're living for the wrong king right now. Maybe you've set yourself as the king and the throne of your heart and of your life. Maybe you just need to return back to the Lord. You know you're a child of God. You know you have that relationship, but you haven't been living that way. Maybe you need to respond in obedience to Christ that way today. But don't let this moment slip by. Whatever you need to do, maybe you need to join what God's doing here at Lindsay Lane East. Listen, as I tell the people in Elkmont, I desire for Elkmont for it to be hard to go to hell from Elkmont, Alabama because of what we're doing there as a church. I desire the same thing for Harvest. That it's hard to go to hell from Harvest, Alabama because of the ministry and the people who are light and salt sent out from this church body. But you need to join. You need to link arms with a church that's going to hold you accountable, going to push you toward Jesus. But whatever decision you need to make, I pray that you would not allow this moment to slip by. This altar is open. We'd love to see. We'd love for you to come and maybe lay down. And whatever it is, whatever response that's needed, Kenny's here. Would love to talk to you about any decision that needs to be made. Would you enter this relationship that's made available to our from our King Jesus today, Father God? We thank you for all that you've taught us, for what you do for us, what you have done for us. As we track your love through these covenants, God, you've made yourself available to us. May we respond to this incredible display of love. I feel the one, God, that needs to make a decision to follow you as Lord and Savior. Be with the one that needs to identify themselves in a church body. Be with the one that may need to get their baptism in order as we've seen demonstrated today already. Whatever the case may be, let us do business with you as the lover of our soul. Father, we love you. Have your will and way in this time of invitation as we respond to you. In your name we pray.